welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode today. We're going to be talking to New York Times best-selling author and illustrator Rachel Ignatovsky. Uh, she just has a new book out called The Wondrous Workings of Planet Earth, all about uh, ecology, different ecosystems. And uh, she has another book called Women in Science, which uh, profiles 50 different female scientists throughout the history of science. And uh, these are just great books. I mean, they're beautifully illustrated immaculately organized they're just great for not just for children but for adults too so yeah if you're interested check those out and uh, we had a little chat today so we talked a little bit about her uh, her process how she goes about creating these books and uh, but we also talked a lot about uh, science communication in general because you know her and I are are approaching communication in dramatically different ways but we share a common goal we're both just trying to figure out how to get people excited about science, how to get them to want to learn science. So we talked about science communication. We also talked about her upcoming projects, what's next in the pipeline for her in terms of another book, and uh, also where you can see her live in the upcoming weeks. So uh, here is me and Rachel Ignatovsky discussing Can Art Help Teach Science? Hey guys, we're here with Rachel Ignatovsky, and we're going to be talking about art in science. So Rachel, I'm pretty curious because you know I, I studied science and it was very rigorously academic route towards science, and you've sort of taken this whole other angle, you're blending art with science. I want to know, what was your path to art and science? Which came first? How did you learn them? How did you get interested in them? Tell me all the stuff. Okay, well, um, I took a very rigorous path into the world of art. I uh, went to art school at Tyler School of Art at Temple University. And um, for those who don't know, art school is notoriously hard. Um, you, When you enter into it, uh, admissions lets you know that it's um, as rigorous and as competitive as pre-med. So that was a big learning experience for me. And as a graphic designer, uh, your job is to convey information as quickly as possible, as succinctly as possible, succinctly. Distinct S and succinct. Succinct. D I can't even say <laughs> any of these words. Tongue tongue tying. It's um, empirical almost. So, so empirical. So um, art school was to you as, as uh, you know, a bachelor's in, in, in a physical science was to someone else, really. Oh, basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. you're, I mean, you're learning a skill. You're learning... Um, more importantly, you're learning hand skills that can then just be applied in the real world immediately. So, um, and more importantly, you're learning how to get information across very quickly and get your point of view across very quickly. And it's kind of why uh, art is so powerful and why scientists, uh, I'm not scientists, why advertisers, you know, pay top dollar to hire people like me to get their um, information across. Just so, the right creative mind, yeah. Yeah, so why not apply that to science and apply that to uh, important topics that we need to educate the world about? So that was my thinking on it. I have the special set of skills, like Liam Neeson and Taken, mm -hmm. um, to take scientific research and make it easy to understand and fun to learn. Absolutely, yeah. So, what, so when you were studying, was it in that context, sort of an advertising context? Were you studying... Graphic, so it was graphic design. What what exactly were you learning to do or, or wanting to do? Well, uh, I was in a program that 
I was lucky actually to be in a program that kind of emphasized print media. So for me, from the jump, I'm like, I want to make books. So I was learning everything from writing copy to layout to really the backbone of what a book is. Um, and actually my kind of, uh, you know, I've actually never spoken, talked about this before, but my, um, my senior thesis was called The Legislated Body, and it was about um, different types of uh, sodomy and sexual laws that are in America and how, like, the government um, can uh, make legislation against, um, you know, like, who you can love and where you can be. And I actually did a huge research project on that, and that was kind of my first um, step into taking a lot of dense, complicated policy research and turning that into... Um, an infographic that people could understand. So that salacious. was actually the, yeah, that was my first, first step. <laughs> it's like, I wouldn't call it salacious. I mm -hmm. mean, there's like things on the books that, um, I mean, just like the fight for marriage equality technically lies under sodomy laws. Like sure. all of these, all of these things are just like important civil rights. Um, and, um, it was just really important to me at the time to get that information across for the, you know, just the fight for equality. Um, and then from that, I just started thinking about things that I personally thought were super important, um, super uh, necessary for people to learn. And for me, um, it became very clear very quickly that it was scientific literacy and also a fight for feminism and inclusive history so those are kind of the two topics that I've as an adult now that I'm in you know since I've graduated have really focused on in my work and for me my book women in science really put those two together right yeah so you basically were just saying well, I, I draw and I want to make books from my drawings and here are the subjects that I want to tackle because these are what I think are important essentially and you right. know what especially like when you're not a scientist, you can often, when you are a scientist, you could actually often really forget how little the general public knows about science and about science history. I mean, I went to school, not went to school, but I went to work with people um, when I worked a nine to five cubicle job with people who weren't, like maybe they knew who Marie Curie was, but they actually had no idea what she accomplished. Oh, I wouldn't give people that. I'd say people could you know? name maybe Einstein, because he's got the hair. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. like maybe, maybe two or three. I, I would be I would be surprised if more than 20% of people knew who Marie Curie was. But um, yeah, that's... So, okay. So that's really the meat of it here. We want to... I, it, I'm fascinated by this because we're all here trying to do the same thing. You know, science communicators, science teachers. We're trying to get people, the world, who just don't care about science, don't have time to learn science, don't... It's just It just doesn't fit... And we're figuring out how to wave our hands and go, hey, 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 look at this, look at this, learn this, isn't this neat, isn't this something? What is it about your format? Obviously, it's effective. So just the way that you're presenting information, what is it there? Have you gotten feedback that can give us some clarity about just why is this work so well? Okay, so because of my background in graphic design, um, I approach every single topic as first I need to research and then organize a dense amount of information. So first I organize it in a way where um, it's fun and you can understand it at a glance. And um, so in my book, Women in Science, I profile 50 women from ancient times to modern day. And in my newest science book called The Wondrous Workings of Planet Earth, I profile different important ecosystems all over the world. I talk about their greatest benefits and their greatest threat that they face. 
So in both of these books, I'm I'm tackling a huge subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the first thing I do is that I break it down into how can I construct a book that makes sense to an audience who has never heard the subject before? Right. And how can I make it as illustrative as possible so that even the most reluctant reader gets excited by the illustrations and feels confidence a approaching these dense subjects because you know you put a little happy face on a cell or right. happy face on Marie Curie and all of a sudden it's this friendly image yeah. that can allow them to learn even more Some, someone who who would open up a textbook and just start to cry and go into fetal into the fetal position this is something where you open it up no matter what page you open it to you go oh wait what is this hold on this is cool I want to what is this all about The illustrations invite the reader in so that they understand what they're going to learn before they even start reading. Mm -hmm. They see the images. They know what they're getting into. Nobody wants to open a book and see a Gutenberg Bible level of text. That's daunting. That's scary, especially with topics that are so complicated like ecology or, you know, an entire history of science. You know, it's... um, It's complicated stuff. So, you know, sometimes just putting a little smiley face and making sure that there's illustration to kind of emphasize each point you're making, Mm -hmm. like from four years old to 40 years old, you can get someone to read it and start to learn. I think even more than the illustration, though, because it's such a more free form way of presenting information, I like that there's a main body of text and then morsels smattered around. So if you're not even in the mood to read, you open up a page and you go, well, there's two, there's one sentence right there. What does that say over <laughs> in the corner over here? And you go, huh, all right, well, what does this one say? And then before you know it, you've read six of them. And then now you're, you're learning. It tricked you into learning. Yeah, almost, I'm all know? about tricking people into learning. <laughs> and it's really interesting that you say that because in every single one of my books, I make sure to like pack as many little illustrations with tiny sentences of fun facts next to it, mm-hmm. along with a larger body of text. But it's those fun facts. It, it makes it so that even someone who's like an early reader can just tackle those little sentences, those short little brief things. And then maybe the parent reads the, the whole body of text with them. Right. And then I get a lot of um, emails telling me that they, whatever book it is, even my ecology book, the the Wondrous Workings of Planet Earth book, um, they'll open it up and just do a page a night. And so like maybe they'll learn about like the the Sahara Desert that night and mm-hmm. then read all the little fun facts, read the little bio about... Look at every little picture and yeah. get every little morsel on there. Yeah, get every little morsel and then start having conversations and looking things up even further on their phone yeah. and it creates this whole like experience between kid and parent. And then also teachers have been using them in their classrooms and the format of these books with the little fun facts, with the different segments of illustration and also segments of information has become a template for teachers to use in classrooms to have their kids write their own profiles about places or their own bios about women and it's been really exciting to see that work i see so they go like all right think of a city or a place or something and now make me a page exactly like this exactly it's, it's like, like a little project exactly like um especially with women in science it's like okay like you saw rachel's version of writing about katherine johnson now mm-hmm. you pick someone throughout history and you create a page and we'll make our own classroom book that looks like rachel's layout right that's very interesting because yeah i did i did want to ask that because it's so great as an entryway into some of these things and then you, well i guess you kind of just answered it how how can we 
you know, fuse this with academia and traditional learning, I guess that's one way, right? We're finding ways to sort of take that attitude towards it and then just put it in the classroom. I, I'm trying to think. Well, I just talked to teachers. Done. I mean, I yeah. just talked to teachers. I mean, all my friends, I mean, I, I, for the past, what, since 2011, since I graduated, a ton of my friends became teachers. A lot of my friends started working for TFA. I have friends who are principals in schools now. And uh, as they have grown as teachers, I've been alongside them seeing what kind of content do they need in the classroom? What do they wish existed? And mm -hmm. a lot of my work is very responsive to these questions, these conversations that I've just had with my friends who are in the classroom right now. What kind of things do they say uh, about what's missing? Well, especially, okay, so before I started my book, uh, Women in Science, books like that did not exist. I was talking with my friends who were science teachers in the classroom. They were saying to me, you know, I want to get my girls more interested in STEM. And I started just yelling at them. What about books about these women? Like, aren't there any resources? And then I realized I didn't have any of those resources growing up. Mm -hmm. I had no... Um, books, no cartoons, no TV shows about women in science, maybe except about Marie Curie and why were they being left out? And then I realized that I had to create the content that was missing from the libraries. So one, I could spread this information and also have teachers use it in their classroom to help educate their students. And now I'm actually very excited to say that women in science is now a part of this upcoming spring scholastics program. So it is in classrooms, it is getting used. And as I was writing my wondrous workings of planet earth book, I also was talking with my teacher, uh, teacher friends who are science, science teachers, making sure that the book could fit into their lesson plans, mm -hmm. fit into curriculum, and covered all the bases of middle school and also age up and down ecology. So it has some basic mm -hmm. earth science in the book, whether you're talking about the weather cycles, the carbon cycle, or just the fact that plants are important and the base of our food web. All of these things um, they need to teach in class and now I've created a tool to help them connect it to a right. bigger story. They have these learning objectives that they have to hit. These mm -hmm. are these standards that are enforced. And uh, this is one way to put a little extra fun into each lesson plan, I guess. Well, you never know what kid is really talented but learns a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. I know when I was growing up, I learned a little bit differently. I needed to draw out everything. I needed to mm -hmm. w like read comic books and cartoons about the subject, maybe even watch a documentary about the subject before I got into reading it heavily. Yeah. And my books are that tool to open the door to very, very hard-hitting heavy learning. Yeah, I think we need to remember what got us captivated in the first place whether it is art or science you know the first thing you know when I was five or six and I got a book about the solar system mm -hmm. and I was like what is this what are these things this is crazy you every 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 person needs that spark that moment to then have the motivation to go well I gotta read now because I want to learn about this stuff Oh, yeah. I mean, so. I just remember drawing the food webs when I was in elementary school and realizing that the pizza that I was eating, that the energy from that pizza actually came from the sun originally. And right. that just like that blows a little 10 year old's mind. It's bananas. It's bananas. And then all of a sudden you want to understand how the rest of the world works. I want to give that experience to every single kid, whether or not they're going to go into science. So you you were literally in sixth grade science class just I mean, whether you were doodling or whether you were drawing for an assignment or whatever you were doing, that's sort of the genesis of this, perhaps. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember even in my human anatomy classes in high school, I, I, I had an amazing teacher who actually drew a giant anatomical heart on the floor, and then we had to run through it while screaming the names of the different anatomical parts of the heart so like i'm just chasing that high of mm -hmm. screaming bicuspid like bicuspid valve in public mm -hmm. uh outside and then then you know you would then draw the heart i think i've been drawing like anatomically correct hearts for fun since i was like 14 i can't help myself that is good yeah i i i, it, I do wonder some sometimes about the you know the the romantic representation of the heart and where exactly that came from and how it came from a butt it came from a butt right it came from a butt I it's a butt yeah okay. it's about butts well i didn't want to say it but now that you've said it i feel I, i'm just letting talking about i'm it. letting everyone know <laughs> it's the symbol for a heart butt. is a butt yeah thank you medieval people i believe <laughs> we've loved butts since before we loved science it's I cannot lie. Yes. <laughs> so, so clearly the benefits for a younger demographic are, we can talk for hours and hours about it. I, do you have any information on how people are consuming it? Are adults are, are without, they don't have kids. Like there's a 37 year old person reading this book and, and going, Oh man, I need to learn more about this stuff. Um, we need, those, we need yes. those people too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I okay, mean, I right. write my books at a middle grade level because that's what the news is written at. And, mm -hmm. um, Honestly, I'm just writing, I'm making books that are my dream books. Mm -hmm. uh, and then everyone else tells me they're for kids. I have adults reading these books. I have children reading these books. I think yeah. it kind of goes down 50-50. And what's great about it is that I have actually gotten emails from um, young women in grad school who are like, I like, I read this book before I go to bed to just kind of unwind and mm -hmm. get me motivated for the very tough next day. And then I also get emails from like, literally like first graders who are like I bring this around in my backpack like it's my stuffed animal because it's so beautiful and mm -hmm. that's that's the that's the beauty of making something that looks beautiful yeah. is that people cherish it as a cherished objects people want to carry around things that represent them and their interests and if they're learning and teaching along the way good yeah it's a, it's a rare opportunity to take something like science that's so rigidly empirical and do honor to that, but infuse this aesthetic into it and present it in that, in an artistic way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like scientists, they know how to research. They know how to write research papers that then go up for peer review. Mm -hmm. um, the normal person is not going to be reading that work. Um, oh, of course not. Not even uh, grad students and stuff necessarily <laughs> yeah. and find ways to avoid it. The, and the way that, uh, you know, I have this special set of skills that can make people care so why not use it yeah why not use it and you know what's so funny is that i've i've you know when i used to do freelance i i, I work with like cancer researchers and i i always tell them write write down what your research is like i'm five years old and then they write it like maybe at a grad school le level mm -hmm. and then i have them define all the words for me and i really break it down with them and i i make sure that uh, a five-year-old can understand what they're talking about because honestly sometimes their donors don't understand the research that they're donating to and if they can't understand it they'll donate more money so that's what i do um, i've done some freelance with uh, the pavlov cancer foundation here in los angeles actually creating artwork to help mm -hmm, that the mm -hmm. kids and the donors understand pediatric re uh, cancer research yeah H hence the emergence of our field in general as the <laughs> yeah. science communicator i mean it's absolutely true 
it, it's only in the past 50 to 100 years has it been the case where just there's too much science. No one can know it all. And we need people to explain it to everybody. And you we, know, it's so funny. I was like talking at the SALC and um, and they're all they're like mostly cancer researchers because it's the SALC. Mm-hmm. Um, and this um, uh, this one woman comes up to me um, who's a cancer researcher. And she's like, I, I like I really enjoyed reading women in science. I learned so much about these fields of science that I had no idea I didn't know anything about. And like, she, she was just like, she was like, it was great. And then you got the stuff about like, you know, the stuff about cancer research, uh, stuff about like Elizabeth, uh, Blackburn and all that, like accurate as well. So, um, it's always great to hear from the actual scientists. Um, Oh, and here's a fun story. Um, Shaolin Wu, who discovered the Higgs boson, actually reached out to me because I included her in my book. And she was like, great job. I give this to all my, uh, all the kids in my life, all my nieces and nephews and friends' kids for their birthday. So I sent her a drawing of herself. And now um, my illustration of Shaolin Wu is at, the, is at CERN in the particle accelerator <laughs> like so in cool. like where they have the particle accelerator and all the artwork about the particle accelerator i guess they have a wing of it so i'm just like yay be my mom i love you <laughs> that's so cool you've got all these ties to academia now oh yeah that's amazing. well i mean um they bring me in to talk about something that they don't know anything about which is the actual communication the, the outreach and and they all yeah. want to work with artists to get their information across. They mm-hmm. do, they, you know, they spend so much time on it and then nobody knows anything about it. Yeah, nor, I mean, and the more scientists that want to take it upon themselves to com- communicate their science, the better. And that's great. They should be encouraged to do it, but they shouldn't, it, you know, if, if they don't have time or they don't have the desire, or they don't have the skill set, then, you know, we, we need to do it for them. That's, the, that's our job. That's our job description, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. To, to take it upon ourselves to spend all of our time doing it instead of instead of researching science which quite <laughs> honestly I don't like it's very boring <laughs> so oh I like doing yeah. it but I'm I'm reading probably more fun stuff than you are oh no <laughs> I, I mean the actual doing of the science oh like, the doing yeah. of the science well that's really meticulous I did not enjoy <laughs> the doing of the of the chemistry at all the doing of the chemistry yeah. <laughs> but I like reading about it yeah and I especially I especially like explaining it to people well you know what we're in a fight for scientific literacy in this country and if I could just you know if putting a smiley face on an atom like makes yeah. it makes someone a, more trusting of science professionals in general and and makes them start to understand fact it's absolutely that's what true it's about. i don't know what happened because i feel like if you go back to the 50s or something everything was very pro science you know what i mean everything was very tomorrow well, and like oh it's going to let's go to the moon and and that kind of stuff. But and that's just, actually a part happened? of it. Well, that, 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 the 50s is actually a huge part of it mm-hmm. because that's when the atomic bomb happened. And that's when atomic testing happened. And that's when they got all the information about the radiation back. And all of a sudden there was this huge mistrust of scientists and what their intent is. Along with that, we started getting reports about, you know, DDT and mm-hmm. all the different ways that all these new miracle chemicals um, were actually poisoning rivers and wells and our reservoirs all of this created a very very skeptical public Mm -hmm. in a bad way not a good skeptical a bad skeptical i mean uh, mile island people still talk about that now Mm -hmm. there 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 is a i believe that it goes beyond politics when we talk about why people are mistrusting of science. It is fear-based, and we need to cut through that fear through education. Mm -hmm. And that's why our work as scientific communicators is so vital and so important. Let's break down that fear, let's talk about facts, and let's get people trusting Mm -hmm. in the scientific method 
again. Mm-hmm. And with pretty pictures. <laughs> with pretty pictures. So, so clearly, I think your last book uh, obviously does a great job at tackling a number of things. I mean, uh, climate would be one of the main uh, areas uh, where we need we need the information at the moment. Um, where, what, what else can we identify? What are some other areas where science literacy or lack of science literacy is becoming a big problem in society? Well, I think, you know, other than the denial of climate change, which Mm -hmm. I think is the largest problem that we face is one, the largest problem we face is going to be adjusting to climate change and also fighting against a public that wants to deny that it's happening. Mm -hmm. That, that is, um, that is going to be our generation's struggle. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we're going to all overcome that. Um, Other things is just in general, there's medical skepticism in a bad way. There is, you know, skepticism about, um, I I believe like just people not having an understanding of how our computers work, what, like what they are, how they work. A lot of people feel like it's just magic when you touch a button. Um, But so why aren't people afraid of their phone and their TV and the internet the way they're afraid of medicine and uh, science in in their agriculture and things like that. Where is that disconnect? Well, that's because the medium is the message. Mm-hmm. It's like that. That's what it is. I mean, we get like you can't. You're not going to be afraid of the technology that you inter- interact with every single day because mm-hmm. every single message that you get is through that technology. That's how we learn everything, and the like. Uh, and honestly, the reason that, you know, there's a lot of just misunderstanding and kind of um, just a huge knowledge gap, gap when it comes to technology is because it doesn't benefit people who, you know, create the newest technology for us to actually understand how it works and how to repair it and how to write code for ourselves. We need, and, and like, meanwhile, with medicine, there's a huge industry that's making money off of people being mistrusting of medicine. It's a huge industry. Mm-hmm. Right. You're talking about like the organic and the alternative and the, I mean, it's, a, stuff. it's yeah. a huge industry. It's an enormous And industry. I'm not like, I don't, I, I honestly, like I'm not the person to get into uh, mm-hmm. the, the minutia of it. But I think the first start is just to get, getting people a basic science education, mm-hmm. a basic technology education. I mean, basic. Yeah. Um, right now, like a, like right now it's abysmal the amount of what computer science classes that we have across the board in in high schools the amount of ap at college level science courses that are available in schools um we need to tackle the baseline education before even going into trying to convince people of these larger issues so um mm-hmm. and and that's that's where i'm incredibly focused on yeah, uh, me 100% as well. That's really my entire <laughs> thing that I'm trying to do it too. I, I think, uh, I mean, and with young people, obviously there's there's got to be a way there and hopefully they can we can get them early. But the adults, you know, just the knowledge, the basic knowledge of what molecules are and how they work. Yes. <laughs> just that's where I'm at a loss of trying to, you know, I've created a database of tutorials that are the easiest way to learn science, I think. And I just want to figure out a way to go, everybody look at this. And so I think that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I use some pretty pictures like you do. Yours are much prettier and it's more tactile. Uh, so that's a, d- a different approach. 
but yeah, I would, we're definitely just trying to get people to look at our look at our pretty pictures. Well, the pretty so. the, to get it pretty, it just takes years of training, years of co- competition and training. Just like becoming a scientist takes yeah. years and years of training. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Like I was at, I was actually at Columbia, and like I was answering a bunch of student questions, and they're like, they're like, how can I draw like you? And I'm like, okay, go back to school for. Right. Four years and yeah. then work in the field for another, you know, eight or 10. And then you could draw as good as me. And then they were like, oh, and I'm like, you should hire someone. Yeah. <laughs> like you went to school to become like a marine biologist. You should hire someone. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unless you really, you know, if you want. Unless to you're the, really the, naturally the talented. Threat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get similar to people. I don't know where the lack of patience and the lack of tenacity comes from. I'll get I'll get emails about, you know, how do I learn this quickly or or. I, I, you know, how do I, how can I know all the things? I'm like, try longer, (laughs) do (laughs) do more work, (laughs) work more. That's that's the answer. I'm a a big believer in the, what is it? The hundred thousand hour rule. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in that. Absolutely. (laughs) It works. Just keep doing it. (laughs) So that's, so how did you get into art? What was the first thing that got you into art? Were you, were you Um, drawn since you were two and yeah, like, I mean, I, I won spiffiest spud for putting like googly eyes on a potato when I was seven and like got in the newspaper. And then after that, I was like, I am an artist. Your town had a spiffiest spud contest. Yeah. I'm from New Jersey. We got it all. We got everything. We got cranberry bogs. We got Newark. We got it all. You got got Newark. You definitely got it all. I'm, grew up in Connecticut so I was just across the oh you're in like the, the f- I call that fancy New Jersey it's fancy New Jersey absolutely. <laughs> that's true that's true still still just as many Italians yes and that's 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 what I'm really missing here in California is just <laughs> the spaghettis yeah. well uh, we make pasta in this household quite a lot so. <laughs> so what are you doing out there you're going you're traveling you're doing your book tours you're going town to town what goes on when you get to the town what's happening who's there uh, paint a picture for me okay well yeah I love going to libraries I love going to schools I love talking to all the kids and hearing about what they're interested in Mm -hmm. Um, but most recently uh, what's coming up very soon October 27th I'm actually going to be having a booth at P22 Day at Griffith Park which is one of uh, Los Los Angeles's largest uh, celebrations for animal wildlife and conservation. So you could come see me there. I'm going to be setting up a coloring uh, coloring table booth and also selling all my art prints and books. Then after that, I, I do I, so sometimes I do benefits. I'm going to be doing a benefit at Redhead and Redhead and Press um, literally the next day. Um, and then um, I think my big like my next big public appearance in the United States is going to be at. Um, Powell's up in Portland and for that I uh and for all my book talks I give a talk um about me uh art scientific literacy and I talk about planet earth and I I tell some really interesting stories about conservationists and then I take questions and it's just a wonderful meet and greet what kind of questions did you get what kind of question? I don't know. I, I, I usually I, I usually get a lot of questions, which is like, how did you make the art? And then I, right, you know, I right. tell them how I made the a art. A few secrets, not all of them. I, I, I don't tell them exactly how the sausage is made, mm-hmm. but I, I explain to them that I, I, um, 
I use a program called Adobe Illustrator to plan out all my illustrations. And then I use a Micron pen to draw it with my little wiggly hands. And then mm-hmm. in Photoshop, I finish it up. And then they're like, oh, so you use everything. And I'm like, yeah, I use everything. Yeah. <laughs> I use literally everything. That is interesting to me because looking at the book, I mean, I know nothing about art. And I just can't even begin to understand how drawings are, become so well organized. And then they're in the book. I just, yeah, the whole. You organize them. I, I, yeah, I, I, you, I don't know um, how that works at all. You know, for every single person I know, and I it's like just for anyone who's doing anything creative to become a professional you need to perfect how you plan mm-hmm. and it's the it's the pre-work the it, that that's the most important thing so once you get that down you could start then creating at a very rapid pace so for me i figured it out um that i like what program i like working in to plan things out which for me is adobe illustrator so i plan things out in basic shapes i'm putting my words at the size I want them. I'm moving them around the screen. I'm making sure that um, everything is spelt correctly. And then usually I have to go back and fix all my spelling anyway, because <laughs> spelling is hard, guys. <laughs> um, and then that's that's how I like to do it. But mm-hmm. it's different for every single person I know. Yeah. Some people like working in pencils and sketching it all out. Some people like cutting things up. Um, I mean, as a musician, like, people have different ways to plan out a song as someone doing a podcast you have a different ways of pre-planning before you go for an interview people like to think that artists are these magical creatures that are just like filled with energy and like creativity and inspiration but really it's a it's a it's a a job that requires a lot of backbone and it's almost like playing through the pain of of not feeling creative that day and how do you be creative when you aren't feeling up to it and that comes with Mm pre-planning yeah i agree once you have that workflow dialed in it's just it's off to the races Uh yeah (laughs) yeah i've definitely spent a few years just sort of honing the way i do things i feel like um, young people expect to just get out the gate and know exactly who they are as an artist and i mm -hmm. always tell them it takes years of experimenting experimenting with styles finding your voice failing and just being very responsive to um some young people expected to come quickly is that just how humans are or is that unique to younger generations i think it's just the myth about what an artist is Mm -hmm. you know i mean people like i said like there's a big mythos around being a visual artist where it's just like this natural talent and that it's this effortless imaginative thing Mm -hmm. And then it's like, that's not what it's like. It's actually a lot of hard work and it's a lot of training. Um, and when you tell when you tell that to someone when they're young, then they get it and they could start preparing for right, it. Right, right. A lot of people get like want this their whole lives and then they get surprised. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just as a kid, when I was like seven or eight, my parents were very, very strict. And I, you know, I had to play the piano an hour a day, every single day. And I'd swim practice and all these things. And so like I, my, my reality has always been one of just work crazy, <laughs> crazy hard. So it's not new to me. I've been doing this my whole life. But yeah, we need a voraciously industrious youth. You know, we need all the kids to know from a young age. I mean, not like, you know. Well, if you want to become an artist, it's yeah. just going to take work. You like, it's, work it's really not going to be a magical thing that's or handed anything to else. you. Scientist yeah, it's just like, or anything else. yeah, like a scientist or yeah. anything else. Yeah. And I think it's just like um, a lot of people, a lot of people like to look at my career and, and they're just like, they don't understand. They're like, what, how? And, um, it's, it's my husband always butts in and she just, and he just goes, 
well, it's because she sat down and worked for 12 hours straight. Right. That's how she did this. Because <laughs> they weren't present for your process leading up to your success. I think that's with everything, music and otherwise. Oh, People yeah. just see somebody suddenly appear and they're like, whoa, they just did that overnight. No, it took me a decade. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, it know? takes sitting down and, yeah. and focusing for half a day straight. Uh, it, it, the same is true with scientific research. But it's interesting when you get into these fields that are um, uh, seen as like, STEM has always been seen as like, this is a field that's very prestigious and very, very hard to get into and you have to work very, very hard. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the arts, it's the exact same way. And um, for me, uh, when parents tell me that their kids wants to get into the arts, a lot of times they're very scared and they're like, I don't know what they're gonna do with it. I don't know how they're gonna make money. And what I tell them is, look around you, whether it's ugly or pretty, everything in your life has been touched by an artist who was employed. Mm -hmm. And your kid could be one of those artists who maybe makes it pretty instead of making, you know, right? Uh, you know, a billboard with a giant face on it that stares at me every day. I think <laughs> from I the four hundred five. <laughs> I think parents that are have that concern, they're thinking more like, oh, somebody who's like, my kid wants to be in a band, or my kid wants to paint paintings and then sell them at a gallery. And it's like, well, that is that. Those are those things where there's just so much luck involved, which I think is not perceived so much in the sciences, where it's just get your degree and then you get a job. Whereas quite honestly you can get a phd or a law degree or something like that and then not have a job waiting for oh, you yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the real trick <laughs> nothing is safe nothing is safe no and you know what's so funny is those fine art professions just like so many different fields in stem are academic professions so right. to be and they don't tell you that so to be successful as a musician as a fine painting artist um, it means grad school and then it means an academic track in schools usually to pay the bills mm -hmm. it is incredibly hard i like i have an acquaintance who just finished her phd in composing mm -hmm. and she is maybe one of the you know, a handful of people who get paid to compose for like Bollywood movies and things like that. Right. And it took that kind of track of rigorous academia to uh, pursue that. Um, I went a commercial route, so I was good out the gate right after undergrad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to understand that just, yeah, just as with science or, mm -hmm. or medical professions or law or anything like that, there is a rigorously academic way to go through art and then uh, avenues from there. And you know, yeah. it's so funny in my in my touring because I've I've spoken at Columbia, I've so spoken at uh, the Lormont uh, National Laboratory, I've spoken at um, the Salk. Um, I'm meeting all these people who have taken different tracks to get where they are mm -hmm. to do the research that they want to do, and it's just it's interesting talking to them all, and it's just those little choices that you make determines um, what doors open for your career, and also how much money you're going to spend to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which kind of programs and what they cost and mm -hmm. or if it's all ex experience doing this one particular thing mm -hmm. yeah it's a lot <laughs> school guys it's fun and expensive <laughs> yeah. unless you unless there's some weird side door depending yes. on the field you know <laughs> in the physical sciences grad school is free because you're oh yeah working but uh yeah. You know, the key is no matter what field you're going into, whether it's the arts or the sciences, mm -hmm. talk, talk, talk to professionals in many different fields to figure out how they got where they got smartly. Mm -hmm. Learn from their mistakes before you make it them well, yourselves. And, and if you really want to do that thing. Exactly. Because that too. you could just be romanticizing it, you know, I mean, 
the the idea of a scientist that the public holds and what a scientist actually is are not not there's some overlap but it's not exactly <laughs> the same you know and you know what the same so, is true for artists probably as well. yeah, yeah of course <laughs> you, you're work yeah I think uh, there's maybe not as much whimsy I think you're probably working very rigorously and empirically and going through your steps uh, your you know your plan oh, and yeah. everything I mean the whimsy the way a scientist might you know. I walk into the room and I I I, I showmanship the whimsy they don't see the me in my pajamas covered in crumbs at two in the morning for like a month straight yeah (laughs) not that you don't have those moments where you just go oh man this page it should look like this it's going to be great and then and that's that moment of inspiration well i know what everything's uh, going to look like before mm -hmm. i start and that's the real trick Mm -hmm. that's 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 being a professional Mm-hmm. planning from the start planning. knowing exactly what it's going to look like so. across any field yeah across any field yeah <laughs> so when you're around you're going out you're talking and you're you're obviously interfacing with a lot of youth do, do you think we have a scientifically inquisitive youth are these kids they they want to learn do they want to learn science oh yeah definitely do i you think see their futures unfolding in, in stem I fields i see people getting very very excited mm-hmm. about learning about how our world and our universe works Mm -hmm. but you know what makes them excited is just showing it to them in a way that's fun whether it's like watching bill nye the science guy or reading one of my books or you know creating their own comic book people want to learn in their own way people don't like to be told how to learn and people really don't like taking tests so mm-hmm. think about all I, that i always liked them you always liked tests because <laughs> i knew the answers <laughs> i mean i liked getting a's on tests yeah but like i mean for me whenever i took a test i like there's like a, a scream in the back of my mm-hmm. head that's screaming this is wasting time in your life. Like, like the, the clock starts oh. ticking for me where I'm like, what a waste of time. I was always like, time to shine. <laughs> time to shine. Here's uh, where I show you that I know the stuff. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to put a goal. I'm going to get that gold star. But I'm weird. I like, I like taking surveys. You oh, know what yuck. I mean? I'm like, I have that kind of mind where it's like, oh, there's a bunch of boxes and I get to check the ones that I apply to me. This is going to be fun. I don't know. It's a, that's so funny. It's a mental thing. I, that's, that's so funny. You know what I do? I keep I always keep track of my progress almost it like it's like my friends kind of call it they're like oh whoa this looks like a prison calendar and I'm like no it's my fun progress wall where I'm like writing down like what I got done each day in like a number <laughs> code and I'm like gold star for me and I'm oh, like oh it's like it's like hey Rachel you're the best I'm like thanks Rachel so I do it for myself interesting I don't have a progress thing but I have like a little piece of paper with my schedule scribble scheduling stuff and everyone looks at it and they're like, what is that? That is chicken scratch. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, this is my, this is the way I do it. Yeah. Uh, well, so I don't know. R- wrapping things up, I, I do have one last question here because it's so, you know, with each book, you're sort of tackling a, a specific um, issue. And so, you know, feminism and women in science and then, then, you know, climate ecology, just the world. How does it all come together? Yeah. Basic earth science. Yeah. What's what's uh, what's next? What are we going to do? Well, next? I'm currently uh, I just turned in the manuscript for um, the next book in my women in series. So I did women in science. Then I did women in sports to talk about um, women's bodies and to celebrate what they can do instead of just talking about what they look like. Mm-hmm. And my third women in book is women in art. So that is what I'm working on currently right now. It's um, It's been very fun for me to talk about art history. Yeah. And then I have literally just finished negotiations on 
my, what is that, fifth book, on my fifth book, which will be a science book. Yes. And I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going back to. We need you because you, you need oh, to 100%. Do, do your art book because that's your thing, And but but we need the science. Oh, 100%. Um, the Women in Art book, I think, is finishing out my Women in series. I oh, just okay. kind of really wanted to talk about the different aspects. The I, just, I really want to talk about like science and then the mm -hmm. physicality of being a woman and then also just how women affect the media, mm -hmm. how women express themselves creatively and what representation is lacking when we talk about art history. Right. So um, that's I'm really excited about Women in Art. But um, my fifth book is a science book. I cannot tell oh, no. you what it is yet because the ink is not on the paper, but negotiations are done. It's pretty, it's, it's green lighted. You can't like point towards a, a field. I cannot point towards a field yet, but we'll talk about it. We could talk about it again once it okay. comes out. Yeah. When, once you're ready to talk about once it. Once we'll I'm ready to talk back. about it. And so that book is actually coming out, um, I believe I hope 2021, it's about, that I hope book it's about is coming molecules. out. Oh, or space, not. one of the it's two. It's not okay, but it 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 touches that a tiny bit. Okay. It goes kiss to those kiss things. the molecules. It gives them a little kissy, a little oxytocin, a little hey, mm -hmm. <laughs> how you living? But um, I'm always creating scientific illustration. Um, for me, I like to create these posters and just basic illustrations about things I feel that are exciting. Um, usually I put them up on my shop and I like to see if people like them or if people are responding to them or if they're being used and then they become my books later. Oh. So I'm always creating scientific illustration. So, so you kind of workshop that way. You sort of see what's hidden. Yeah, you have to uh, be smart about things. That is very br brilliant because yeah. you write a book and on a subject and then people are lukewarm on it. <laughs> no, no absolutely. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I, everything I, you, again, it's just like, uh, everything needs to be looked at strategically, especially when you're a field like art, because it's so competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, all the illustrations, all of my books started as illustrations that I either have sold as posters or put up on my site or have, or have created resources for teachers that are free downloads. Um, and actually you could continue to see my newest science illustrations and the newest work that I'm creating by following me on Instagram or Twitter or just on my website or Facebook, I'm always, po I post something new every single day. Mm -hmm. So um, that the newest science book comes out 2021. There may be stuff going on in between that. Um, can't say nothing yet because that's how the publishing world works. But um, <laughs> secrets and exciting news is coming soon. But um, I'm very excited about this book. It is a book that has not been created yet. And it's about information that we very desperately need people to understand. So I'm very excited about it. That's the way to do it. We need the people to understand these things. And uh, here's one way to do it. Yes, yes. Well, I'm very excited to find out what that is, and I'm sure everyone else is as well. <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for coming on, and good luck on these uh, exciting things you've got coming up. Oh, thank you so much. You thought you would get away without a tease. I'm just a tease. I can't <laughs> help myself. Well, you have. It was so great talking with you, Dave. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye. bye.